I think that what a lot of men don't realize is that getting in touch with that feminine energy is actually a source of strength. Um, And that being able to cuddle with your kids and not feel like, you know, this isn't manly, like I shouldn't be doing this, but being able to lean into that and feel like this is, this is a part of me. This is, and this is not only okay, but it's also helping me. It's also making me able to do the, the things that I have to do as a, as a father, as a, as a man, as a leader to, to be able to do that. I, I, this, I need this. This is, this is helpful to me. You can't just have all love because if you have all love, you end up with kids who are, uh, who think that they are the most important thing because that's all they've ever known is that all the time they are the most important thing in other people's lives. And so they go, well, I must be very important then. But it also creates a very shallow sense of self. But if you have too much discipline on the other side, people feel like I'm constricted. I can't do anything that I want to do and they want to break out. So there needs to be that balance of like loving discipline. And so um, I feel like mothers and fathers kind of have this balance. And uh, this is kind of one of the things that we're talking about um, recently, I think in our society in general, is about how men are and about how women are and we've talked a lot um, and i've talked about this with uh, with john on our podcast about toxic masculinity and this idea um and we never talk about toxic femininity never there's not uh, like even oh, though, yes we not, do we totally talk about that so much I we do we don't call it we don't we don't call it toxic femininity I, really. yeah, we don't um, call it. but i think but we I need to we that. need to have a more balanced view of these things yeah we have a more balanced view that's not just one or the other so you're like the parenting thing. I want to caveat to that. So okay. what I think is really interesting is that um, John was gone almost all the time when our kids were growing up. Really, honestly, really? And, and chat with him about that. He would yeah, because he was that. a he's a um, just for for context. He's a diplomat and a soldier, or uh, he's a military officer. He's an officer in the military, and so he was not only deployed. But he was also literally like he would wake up at kind of two and three a.m. and then wow. go to work, and then he would come home at like maybe eight on a good night, um, and so and and the kids were in bed by seven thirty p.m. and so he just he was just he was just gone, you know, the, mm-hmm. most of the time. And I was raised in large part by a single mom, and she used to talk to, with us about exactly that concept that you're talking about of love versus discipline. And she gave us that book, The Road Less Traveled by M. Scott Peck, mm. when we were you know, like 16 years old. And that he really, he does a beautiful job of outlining those kind of the, the perils of going too far in one direction with either one of those things. And so for me, with my kids, it was very much um, a specific I had to be both masculine and feminine. I had to be both the mother and the father because John was mostly gone. And it was, it was, that was a very hard place for me to sit in because I'm, it would, it would just tear me apart when my kids were crying or anything. I would have like those hormonal female reactions to that stuff happening. And it was really hard for me to then go and be that disciplinarian that they really, they needed that. Um, and what I think is really cool about this is that because John and I were able, because of this, because this happened, he's now much more present in the kids' lives. And since Dean was little, since he was kind of maybe two or three-ish, he's, he's been able, just much more available in their lives. And so he has then been able to step into the balancing position for me 
whether that is quote unquote masculine or mothering or quote unquote fathering. So, you know, sometimes he'll be that mother voice to me where he's like, Hey, let it go. It's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, they're great kids. Right. And he'll do that for me. And it's a balance point for me. And then sometimes he'll be like, those kids, I can't deal with them, you know, and he'll go do stuff, right? And, but it's so wonderful that we both then get to be this, like the super loving, smooshy one, and then also have to do the job of the disciplinarian too, which isn't very fun because then he gets some of that too. He gets to right. be like the smooshy, lovey one too sometimes, which is a really nice place to be. Right. And I feel like that's part of what our society does with its expectations of men and women is to say, well, women, you're the loving, smushy, dovey one. And men, you've got to be the disciplinarian hard guy. And that I don't feel like that's helpful for anyone because I think everyone has their own balance, right? It's kind of like that yin and yang, right? Like there's a little bit of the other in each and, and they both have the same shape, right? And that you can fill them however you want. Like people can, people can, teach their kids so many different things based on their own standpoint right like their their own um version of how they see the world and i'm i think from uh from a sort of traditionalist perspective i'm probably a lot more feminine than most men like i'm very in touch with my emotions i talk all about them i was a kindergarten teacher for uh, six years um not many men want to become kindergarten teachers it's not a normal thing for men to want to do but that that balance for me means that I'm able to see things in a different way than a lot of guys are. And that, that doesn't mean I have to be like a hundred percent feminine or a hundred percent masculine. And it definitely doesn't mean that I have to pretend that I don't have this caring, nurturing part of me that, you know, loves hanging out and singing songs and dancing with kids rather than, you know, uh, working on a, uh, uh, an oil rig or something. Like I don't, yeah. I don't want to wrestle, uh, pipe <laughs> that's not my that's not my passion um but and that's okay and that's the thing is that so many people i think a lot of people feel like they have to kind of fit into society's expectations of them and i think that's really destructive and i think we lose a lot of value by doing that yeah and i would say like going back to your toxic femininity stuff i think that part of that is around that idea and i think that females can be very toxic also to males and i was like this uh, especially at the beginning part of our relationship with John, where I was definitely like, you just have to be the man, like, go be the man. You need to be, go be the man. And as our relationship has evolved, I have wanted much more for him to be in touch with his emotions and be able to talk with me about all that kind of stuff. And I want that deeper relationship that's available there. And mm. And, it, and so I kind of, I have then kind of pushed him into that and into developing that and growing that. And our relationship is so much richer because we have, we both have the availability there. And then I have the availability to kind of go to my, I guess, more masculine side too. And I think that one of the things that I think happened when women really started entering the workforce was I think that women started becoming much more masculine in a lot of ways. Maybe they and felt like they had to be masculine to succeed yeah. in that in that environment. Yes, which I actually think is kind of true. Actually, I think that I think that during that time period, that was actually a, a truth that was going on there. I remember my mom talking about being a scientist and how she was like, I can't wear cute clothes because it's an old boys club. You know, like mm. I, I have to be kind of masculine to to make it in this place. And I feel like we're now evolving 
into this space where we can actually bring that feminine, feminine stuff in. And it, it's weird. It's almost like women were allowed to be super masculine in the workforce. And then at home, it was like everybody had to be feminine. Because when we talk about like all the parenting techniques that were adopted kind of in the 80s and 90s, it was all, it was, it's literally like 100% love. It's that like, you, your kids can, don't say no to your kid. Don't say the word no to your kid because that might mess up their psychology of what's going on inside. Yeah. Only be positive all the time. I'll do that. That's a, that's a very, it's like, completely that's, unfair. That's what, and it's, yeah, and well, we're seeing the fruits of that now, which is that we have a whole bunch of, and this is um the uh, Jonathan Haidt and Greg Lukianoff's book, uh, The Coddling of the American Mind, like that failed parenting technique of never say no to your kids. They're super fragile. They break easily. You've got to be like little, you treat them like little China dolls or something like that. It's yeah. like, no, actually really children, uh, especially children and all of us really, we need a little bit of struggle to help us realize where our limits are and expand. We can't expand yeah. if we're never, if our limits are never tested. And, um, and I think that's super important. And, and I wonder like how, how do we, so you talked about like how um, like men and women have like this uh, like masculine energy at work and feminine energy at home. But I think we're realizing now how much, how difficult it is to kind of deal with each other in these spaces because men traditionally, you know, a hundred years ago for, and for most of human history, men would work together doing all the man stuff and women would work to do together doing all the women stuff. And we wouldn't have to really work with each other outside of uh, family, raising family. Um, but now in the workplace that we have to figure out how do we work together? How do we deal with conflict together? How do we, how do we, uh, decide which creative design is going to be on the front cover and whose ego is going to be massaged or not? And, and the same in the household, right? Like who's going to be in charge of when the kids go to bed? Is it going to be like the dad has to yell at the kids? The mom has to, you know, read them a story or something like, how do we actually deal with those situations? Because we have all these stereotypes in our head of what we're supposed to be doing. And I don't think any of them really fit the world yeah, that no. we're in. I think that's a beautiful pointing. And I think it's just so interesting that it's like the family has become this almost like super feminine dominated place. And the workplace has become almost a super masculine dominated place, no matter if it's men or women in either one. It's just like, those are the sort of roles that people have taken on and, and adopted. And I feel like there's such an urge right now to 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 mingle that and mix that because mm -hmm. you know when when i do a lot of my leadership development training in professional settings whatever in work sort of settings like that uh, the, the huge majority of it is really like how do we have emotional intelligence you know how do we have which is a very feminine sort of I, thing to have there like how do we work in teams how do we actually work with each other without having that like sort of super hierarchy and dominance and all of that kind of stuff. That's a very, that's a very feminine way. But we have to have, it. that's the thing is because of working together is that we have to have those conversations. And I think we, maybe in the past, we didn't have to have those conversations so much because maybe within the culture, men would understand, okay, this is where I can go with the other men. I can do this. I can do this. But if I get to this point, then they're all going to push back on me. And we would kind of know like where, where is the fighting point, right? Where is the part where we stop agreeing? And it's the same with women, like women, I think, um, I, I'm not a woman, so I don't know for sure, but I feel like within groups of women, they all know like what, you know, if I do this then she's going to feel this way, she's going to feel this way. And women also have those points, the breaking points between each other. But when it's, 
combined men and women together it's like i have no idea where her breaking point is and so men feel like you know she's crazy she went like this and the women feel like he's like a domineering crazy uh douchebag and i don't know how to uh how to overcome his boundaries and so we have to talk about that stuff and it's hard because we don't even know what how we feel it's it's instinct in part yeah so hard and i and i love it i think so here's my personal thoughts about this you know before women entered the workplace, it wasn't going so hard for anybody. You know, like there were a lot of women yeah. that were in mental institutions that were just put into mental institutions. There's a lot of like extreme alcoholism among the men. Like it wasn't like that was, it was magically. It wasn't hunky dory. Yeah. No, it wasn't. Um, and so I think that what I love about this now is that we're inviting this mingling. We're inviting this place where it's like, we all kind of get to, to, to ex- express those different aspects of ourselves that we have in all aspects of our lives so that John can go and snuggle with his kids, which he totally does. He will sit there on the couch and just like snuggle with them. And it's very, it's in a very feminine way, mm-hmm. but he's not, he's not, he's not losing himself in doing that. You know, in fact, he's gaining a lot from that experience like Mm. he is allowing himself to kind of like receive that love from his kids and really go into that space with them and it's amazing for the kids as well like it's amazing to for me to be the observer and watching that and seeing that it's such a gift for everyone you know that's here and then for me to be able to go into that really kind of strong um I would say like the disciplinarian mode or like the teaching mode. Like there's, there's something about that. That's very like, I'm going to give you instruction now and you are going to learn from me, mm-hmm. you know, in that sort of And I've, way. I've seen you in that role when I came to visit you last year. Right? Oh, yeah. I've seen, Absolutely. I've seen like the kids do something and you're like, that's not what we do. We're not like, and it's very, it's like, Oh, okay. Uh, stand to attention. Kind of. <laughs> you saw, you saw me like I'm sitting in your couch. And I'm like relaxing. And then it's like, this is what we do. Da, 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 da. I'm like, oh, should I sit up? I, <laughs> I realized I've developed that part of me so much that when I go into that mode, it's literally every single, at least every single male around me will be like, mm, I'm, I'm doing the well, wrong yeah. thing. <laughs> <laughs> and I, yeah. That's like, that's a powerful place to be. And I like being in the, it's, for me, it's really nice to be in a space where I am empowered for my voice to be heard because then I can teach, I can grow the full system of the family. Like we were just talking before this about how John and I just got into an argument with each other about some stuff. But what's really nice about this is that I can say things in that way to John and he can actually learn and grow from me, which is so amazing and such a wonderful place. And then he can, I mean, he does this all the time with me, anyway where he'll say stuff to me and i'll be like oh okay and then i'll go yeah. you know i'll go fix it right but that's it that's not it's not typical for a man to listen to his wife when she's like this is all kinds of messed up and you need to like you need to go and sort yourself out there well, there's a kind of tension that happens there there's a tension yeah. between like and and it feels and maybe this is part of what we were talking about with like kind of masculine energy and feminine energy is that for, uh, maybe just because of evolutionary biology i don't know but our expectation is that this is where men clash at and men it's like 
we're uh, we're ready to come to blows. You know, like if if necessary, I will fight you. <laughs> you know, and we can't do that. We can't do that with women. And so that's where the kind of there's a disconnect between what we're expecting and what actually happens. Yeah, and it it brings me back to that that book that you mentioned that um your that you read when you were young that I read uh, from your recommendation, the Emma Scott Peck book, and um and that that definition of love like really stuck with me is that love is being willing to uh put effort and and energy into the spiritual growth of yourself and others and whether that energy might mean you know taking on that masculine role and telling your husband like no you told me you'd do this and you didn't do it so like foot down and 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 that for some reason, I think people in our society, I don't know whether this has become more polarized or less recently. I have no idea. But I feel like people are sort of um, seeing those stereotypical roles and either leaning into them or rejecting them completely, which is really like not. Uh, and this is like the first lesson on the Unapologetic Masculine Leadership course, which is no, don't make excuses. And, and it's kind of a Taoist uh, philosophy, which is don't make don't let people make you decide to either comply or reject something you have to be able to make your own decision on that thing rather than just following what the stereotype says or following what people try to make you do um and and i feel like when it comes to making decisions like that and especially like having arguments with your with your spouse like you don't make don't let others make you uh go okay well i guess his behavior is okay because he's the husband or something you know um yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think that there's also something there that like, there's a narrative that if women um, do that, that they're, that, that their husband is henpecked, you know, and it's like, mm. but maybe we're just partners, you know, what if it was, what if it's just partners? And something that I have realized in this space too, is that the more John is getting better at doing this, at, at learning from me, as well as giving me instruction. The man gives me instruction a lot, mm. you know, but like <laughs> as he started to, it's like, it comes natural to him. He can't help it. He's like an officer, you know, he's like, he's so used that's to like, doing that's like, his oh, job. Yeah. Oh yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, but mm. he, he's so, so as he started to really go into this space where he can also receive that from me too, it's made me personally be much more, thoughtful about when I use that power. And that mm. is so it's, it's like, I, I hold, I don't do that very much uh, with him or I do it less now with him because he's just starting to enter into that relationship. And that grants me a lot of responsibility mm. it, it, in the, in, in his kind of granting me authority also in the relationship. That also means that I have a lot of responsibility for what it is that I'm saying. And then I have to be, I just much more mindful about like, okay, am I going to say this right now? Is that really in service to him or is it more kind of in service to me? Like what, which one of these, you know, what, what do I need to do here? And I think that that's something that like, I don't think men get that. I think that that, I think they're like, if I start listening to my wife and kind of like letting her sort of, you know, lay down the law to me sometimes, this is totally my assumption about what's going on inside the heads of men. Um, I think that maybe there's this narrative of like, if I start doing that, then she, she's just never going to stop. And she's going to, she's going to run all over me, you know, forever. Like that's it. Um, And I think for me personally, that it's been the opposite experience. 
That's really interesting because I think there are these societal expectations of how people are supposed to behave. And while we've had a lot of conversation in the last, I don't know how long, 20 years or so, about the, the ways that men don't understand women's experience, I think we haven't had the alternative conversation, which is that there are experiences that men have in our society that women really don't understand. And that, you know, it's like, I won't understand what it's like to uh, not want to take a certain pathway down a, a street late at night because I don't know if I'll be safe. Um, you know, I live in Japan and I'm a foot taller than most of the guys here. So I don't feel that way. But um, the same, the same as I wouldn't understand that perspective. I think there are a lot of things like the responsibilities that men have and the, the expectations that society have has of how men are supposed to behave, especially when it comes to things like dating and looking for uh, partners and, um, and the responsibilities that men have in the workplace. And I don't think women understand, uh, or I think it's very, not, I don't, it's not that, I think it's too, too general, but I think a lot of women uh, choose not to um, recognize that as a real issue, as something that's actually important, that, um, that there are struggles that men have that women don't, uh, don't know how to experience. Yeah. And I would say, I think that that's so true. Um, it, that's, I actually, I love that part about at the end of the taming of the shrew, because that's basically what the end of the taming of the shrew is where, where she's like, don't you all realize how hard it is to be a man out there in the world? Like this is freaking hard, you know? And I love that. I love that, that holding mm -hmm. that, that happens there. Um, and I think that, uh, for me, a lot of what's helped in my personal relationship with John has been realizing that he, he was a child at some point and he had experiences that, that were um, impactful on the rest of his life from his childhood, as have we all. And mm -hmm. once I started, it kind of humanized him. It made me be like, oh, like you can trace it back. Yeah. You can trace it back. Like where that came from. Yeah. And, and he's such a strong man, you know, like he just is just is such a strong powerful. Yeah. I've, man. I've worked out with your husband. He's uh he's not just a strong man, like uh, emotionally, but he's, he, he could, uh, he could go to he's with the best of them. Rock. Yeah. No, yeah. And <laughs> I'm so, like, I'm and like, okay, I got this much on my, my weight. And he's like, that's not enough. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, he's, <laughs> He's um, but he he's also he's also strong in a in a emotional sense that um, and I think this is kind of sorry to kind of cut off you mid mid thought, but um, I think that what a lot of men don't realize is that getting in touch with that feminine energy is actually a source of strength, um, yeah. and that being able to cuddle with your kids and not feel like you know this isn't manly, like I shouldn't be doing this, but being able to lean into that and feel like this is this is a part of me. This is, and this is not only okay, but it's also helping me. It's also making me able to do the, the things that I have to do as a, as a father, as a, as a man, as a leader to, to be able to do that. I, I, this, I need this. This is, this is helpful to me. And I think a lot of men reject that just because our society has like these kind of memeish, weird ways of looking at people. It's like, you know, if, if you're a man, you need to do this, this, and this, otherwise you're, you're kind of out of that club you know and uh and i think it's really important that we that we let men know and that we encourage men when they do take a feminine role when they are um not not take a feminine role but like when they lean into their feminine side and allow that to present itself rather than just focusing on this hyper masculine 
very stereotypical role that maybe a lot of people in society expect from us. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I really, I think that, um, I think that a lot of stuff around this, again, I think it can be really traced back to this, the feminist revolution and women going into the workplace and all of that kind of stuff. And I think that, I think one of the really fascinating things for me that happened there was that while women were kind of expected and needed to be masculine in that area in order to succeed, it was that then women got to be masculine too. Like we, we have the full gamut, like we can be, and you know, what's interesting too is it's almost more acceptable to be masculine, especially out in the world than it is to be feminine in any way. So we talk about the archetypes. And um, so the male archetypes are the son, the hero, lover, the father, king, and then the wizard. And the um, feminine ones are the maiden, the temptress, the mother queen, and the crone or the witch. Um, and I was speaking with one of my colleagues a couple of weeks ago, and I was saying, you know, the only one that's really available to us women is the temptress. It's the only one that, I mean, we all get like Botox, you know, to keep right, being the right. temptress for forever. And like, it's the only one that's available because maiden is too scary. Everybody's going to rape you if you're maiden. Mother is like not sexy in any way whatsoever. And it's kind of like, it's kind of looked down upon to be in that mother role. Which is and really crone, sad. Hmm. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And crone is like, you're just rejected from society. Like nobody wants you anymore. You know, you're off. Like nobody wants to listen to you or any of that kind of stuff. And so the only one is the temptress. And she made an interesting point where she's like, that one's not even acceptable either. You know, that's mm -hmm. the like, oh, you're this like terrible seductress, super sexy lady. You know, you're, you're, the, you're the root of all the causes of this. And I think that it's just, I think, so for me, it's like this invitation for how can men also embrace all of those feminine archetypes too because it's, oh, it, it needs to be, we need to, if women can go in out and be those masculine archetypes out in the world and do all of that stuff out there, then men need to also be able to embrace those feminine archetypes and, and love them, you know, and see the strength and wonderful stuff that is from those archetypes as well. Mm. I wonder, because I think the problems are, um, that men and women have in terms of leaning into that side of themselves is, I feel like they're very different. So um, I don't know about the, the women's side of things, like only being allowed to be the temptress, but um, uh, I feel like for men, it's like our choices are much fewer. Um, and that for, you know, even though women have very few choices, men also have very few choices. It's like our society went from this survival society where it's like men are going to go out and you know, work in the fields or something and women are going to look after the kids. And that's the way it has to be because otherwise we're all going to die from starvation. Whereas now like, we don't have to worry about starvation as much anymore. We're past that survival society. But you know, it's gone to women have said the people have said, okay, well, you don't have to just be a mother anymore. And in fact, it's even gone the other way where people are looking down on mothers and saying like, Oh, yeah. what, you're just a mom. And I, I find like that attitude is just so, I don't know. I have a kind of uh, instinctual reaction against it. Cause like, I feel like being a mom is an incredibly important and valuable role, but, um, but for women it's opened up where it's like, you can be a full-time mom or you can be a full-time uh, workaholic or you can do a job, or you can blend in between the two. You can raise a family and uh, work. But for men, it's still like, no, 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 you work. 
Like go work, make money for your family. And if you don't make enough money for your family, well then maybe you shouldn't have a family. Maybe we can yeah. take your family away from you. And, yeah. and, and that's really sad because I feel like opening up options for, the, and this is the kind of the tragedy, I guess, of our time is how much human potential are we wasting? How much, how many amazing fathers or teachers or, or um, kind parents are we losing out on? Because we've told those people, you can't do this. You're not allowed. And how many, like for generations, how many amazing women who could have been incredible scientists and, and uh, mathematicians and physicists and, and uh, creators and builders, have we said, okay, well, you can't do this because you're a woman. You're supposed to be a mom, right? It's, yeah. the same, it's the same on both sides. Like we're missing out on so much human potential. It's, it, it's, a, it's a tragedy. Like imagine if Mozart had never been allowed to play the piano, you know? What would we lose? What do we lose as a society? How many amazing Wouldn't experiences? Wouldn't it be really cool if there was like a masculinist movement that was like, we as men deserve to be full-time homemakers. Like we deserve to have that opportunity to go do that. You've been keeping us out of the home for this whole time. You haven't allowed us to be full-time homemakers this whole time. We deserve to be in that <laughs> workspace too. This because is the that thing. was like- Yeah, this is the cool? thing that's- it, this is the thing that we were talking about before we started this podcast is that the, the, the sort of the movement model, I don't think the movement model works. I think the movement model creates resistance. And so that, I think the resistance to that would be um, ridicule from, from men. And I think it'd also be ridicule from women as well. And you look at what happens right now with, um, uh, I think they're called MRAs, men's rights activists, uh, that, they're basically ridiculed and people, people make fun of them, even though they have a really important point, which is that um, our society doesn't necessarily care as much about men as they should. They don't recognize how much harm is caused to men that, uh, that we don't value as a society. I was talking about this with, uh, with John before and, and with you before we started. And actually the organic change, the, the movement of people making individual decisions for themselves, recognizing yeah. who they want to be and how they want to lead in terms of their families, in terms of their businesses, their communities, that organic movement changes people's minds over time. And it just takes longer, but when it takes longer and it happens organically, it doesn't create this resistance where we end up with this counterculture backlash bullcrap. We end yeah. up with people doing what they want to do and making choices for themselves as individuals. And I think we just have to do that. Like we have to decide, like, you know, if I want to be a homemaker as a, as a father, like um, the, the term that um, I love that Warren Farrell uses this term is the father warrior, which is we don't need our father, like the men to go out on the battlefield as, as much anymore. It's not like we're all fighting wars all the time. We can now afford to have the fathers be warriors at home. We can stand up for our kids. We can teach our children what we, what we have to teach them. And, yeah. uh, and that's an incredibly valuable place to be. Yeah, definitely. I totally agree with that. I agree with that. And I think that the benefit. And you still want the movement. I know you still want the guys like, <laughs> you still want the guys out there. Like we can be dads. Yeah. <laughs> part of it, so I, you know, uh, one of my, background one of my degrees is in economics and so i think about it in terms of supply and demand and if demand rises then it becomes a more valuable thing and that's like right now the demand for parenting is like up for being a parent is like no like nobody wants to do literally nobody wants to do that they all want to kind of I have kids. do it like that 
Well, so they feel the drive for it and stuff, but nobody yeah, wants yep. to like, <laughs> that. like nobody wants to be the full-time parent, you know, like nobody's yeah. like, that's the gig that I really, really, really want to get, you know? And if we can, if we can start a movement of people being like, that's the gig that I really, really want to get, mm. then the value of that, the demand increases, which means that the value of it will actually go up too, which I think is kind of right. cool. So I agree with you. I, I mean, in the end, change happens 1% at a time. It's, that's just, that's like, that's just the way that it that's goes. That's just the rule. So, yeah. yeah. And when it's, it's, when it's mechanistic, it creates, when it's mechanistic, when it's just like, I think this should be, so we're going to make this happen with, with money, with a push, with, uh, with force. Um, I think there's always, there's always backlash to that. The, the culture will change. The, like it always does. The culture is in constant change. And, um, you know, you, you have these, these kind of swings where it's like, it goes from, from one side to the other and you have a reaction that sends it back the other way. That's what a lot of people talk about with, um, with, uh, I think third wave feminism was about putting your finger on the scale a little bit just to go like, okay, well, we want more women in these kinds of positions. Right. Um, and there are places like, uh, uh California where they're trying to make it so that yeah. boards have to have three out of was it 50 percent? i i can't remember but there there are rules like this coming into effect everywhere where it's like well we just want to put it our finger on the scale a little bit and i feel like if we if we're really honest with ourselves that men and women have all have incredible potential and that what we need to do is say if you're good at this thing go for it and we need to do that we need to go way further up the chain than when it comes to board seats that's like the last place that we need to be looking at the first place we should be looking at is how are we teaching our children? What are we teaching them in schools? We're saying, you know, oh, you're, you're a smart boy. Maybe you should be a doctor. Oh, you're a smart girl. Maybe you should be a nurse. Like, no, that's not the, that's not I what know. we should be teaching kids at an early age. We should be teaching them. You're a smart kid. What, you know, there are all these options for you. Let's see what feels right for you. Exactly. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I think that, so, okay, I'm going to go back to the movement thing. I think that the benefits of a movement is that it opens up a space for a dialogue that might not mm. have been there before. And I think that that is where, I think that's why movements are helpful. When they get to the point of dogmatic, being really dogmatic about it, mm. it, it becomes not helpful. Then it becomes right. a space of like resistance and all of that stuff that you're talking about. I think when it can be a movement of like, we should be talking about this. This should be a thing that we should be like having a discussion about. Then I think it's a very effective movement and it can, and then it can open up the space for one person at a time having a conversation. And then that's, that's where the growth sort of happens. Right. And I, I like the idea of, uh, of what you said, like making individual choices, individuals having this relationship with each other, because that's really what I want this unapologetic masculine leadership course to be which is find out who you are as an individual and and whatever way you want to lead like i you said like um you know people aren't fighting to be uh, the parent it's like i would love to find a woman who wants to go out and work and i can look after the kids and maybe i can because i can still do a lot of my businesses and stuff online a lot of the work that i do is online and so i can I want to be there for my kids. I want to be that kind of dad. Um, Cause my dad was really there for us when we were kids. Like my dad um, set up his business so he could work from home. And then he was able to come pick us up from, from school and he was able to, to spend time with us, um, which, you know, I think has been, had a, a massive positive effect on me. And so I want to help guys find where is the, where's, where's my point? Where's my authentic self in this scale? It's not, 
full on, like, you know, working hundred percent of the time and not getting to hang out with my kids and giving up on all my passions because I need to be the father provider that, that role. I think I have to say, I think that this, the like COVID and the lockdown and all of that kind of stuff, one of the huge benefits from this has been an opening up of that door as a possibility for, especially for families and for dudes Mm. that they're like, because they were, everybody was home. Everybody was home all the time. And I've heard from so many people about that. I mean, they're like, oh my gosh, we wanted to kill each other at certain points, but it was so <laughs> wonderful. Having- it was like the first, what was, sorry to cut you off, but it was, it was like the first four weeks, it was like, there were going to be a bunch of COVID babies. And then the next four weeks was like, there are going to be a bunch of COVID divorces. <laughs> That's exactly right. And, but, yeah. and, and still, even now the, the dialogue that I hear from people is like, that was such a wonderful time for our family. Like it was so mm. nice for us to actually be able to spend time with each other too. And yeah. I think that, um, I mean, there's been a lot of mental health stuff and a lot of domestic violence. I mean, there's been the other side of it as well. I just, I think that, that it's opened up a possibility of like, wait a second, why am I killing myself for all of this stuff? When yeah. what I really want is to live like a happy, fulfilled life. And that, includes me spending time spending time with my family you know and and that stuff right and it's so important and and i i think that's something that i really want to embrace as a guy myself as someone who i you know i have all of these things that i can give and i don't want it to just be like my because my my actual constant thought at the beginning of covid was like i want to do this i want to do these businesses that i've got all these ideas from one of my uh websites like that was making me good money from the beginning of covid just lost 90 percent of its revenue overnight and i had this kind of like panic moment where i was thinking like this is this is kind of like how i'm defining myself is i'm successful in these businesses i'm a successful teacher i'm a successful marketer i'm a successful uh business owner and all of those definitions like of my personal identity just kind of like started to fall apart right in front of me and uh started teaching online and i was terrible at it and um and uh my my websites weren't making good money and i i feel like we need to constantly be this the definition of ourselves has to be constantly in flux it's always changing because we're always changing there's the the i think it's a heraclitus quote from uh, from ancient greece which is um you never step in the same river twice because it's not the same river and you are not the same you and i think we have to find the tools to actually be able to redefine ourselves and be able to understand that at each step of our journey so that we can then make the most of that yeah and what i would say from this too is that this is something that it's like everybody in our generation wants this to happen. And so I'm like, okay, well, so we should, we need to start doing this. We need to start actually making this happen because so many employers and, and governments and organizations now are like, work harder, work more, work harder, work more. Mm -hmm. That's how, you know, like if you want to work here, you got to put in all that time because, you know, otherwise like, you know, you're going to, you know, right. Like you're not dedicated or you're not, you're not committed to this. Yeah, exactly. That's the culture of it. And what's interesting is that the millennial generation, their average time at a job is 18 months. And I think a big part of it is that they're feeling that restlessness around mine is way less than that. Believe me. (laughs) Mine is like a year um the the job that i'm doing now is like the longest job i've had because i i enjoy it but before that it was like 
every year I was like new job can't do this anymore yeah yeah well and I think that there's a lot of like people will in our so what's weird is people in our generation will kill themselves for jobs but then they'll be in those jobs and they'll be like this isn't really the this isn't what I wanted they know that something's not fitting and I think mm. that what's not fitting is that killing themselves for jobs piece of it I think that they're just like I think our generation gets they're like you know we want to have family because a lot of us were balance. Balance. we didn't have that stuff yeah we want to have this balance in our lives and and so for me then it's a, it goes back to what you're saying of it takes one person at a time it's just mm. one person at a time standing up to the man and being like no we're not going to work all of the time i'm going to work a certain amount of time that is going to be wonderful and successful for our organization and i'm also going to spend a goodly amount of time I'm going, to, I'm going to put my stake in the ground there. I mean, I have balance in my life. Yeah, yeah, and it's a it's a really important part of um, what we're doing with this with this course that we're launching so in, in two weeks. It. Yeah, so excited! It's, it's gonna be awesome. Yeah, um, thank you so much, Carmen, for taking the time to to talk with me about this. And uh, this is our second podcast together, but yeah. it's always I feel like, and we've talked about this before. We should just record all of our conversations because all of them are podcast ready. Like. <laughs> <laughs> we should just like post them live every time because they're they're always super interesting i love it yeah definitely well thank you awesome. for having me again yeah thank you so much <laughs>